my friends, Charlie O'Shields here, back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. I love drawing, but when I was younger, I failed to do it each and every day. In fact, I took a 20-year unintentional break from drawing. Today, thankfully, I found little ways to keep myself inspired, and I've been drawing each and every day for over four years now. In this episode, I'm sharing a set of stories about my own art journey that I hope will inspire you on yours as well. As many of you know by now, these are stories collected from my daily sketching and writing habit. Revisiting them has been a wonderful experience as it's always good to remind oneself why this adventure of creating art began in the first place. For me, it was born out of a passion to create, but only became a habit when I made it a real part of my daily life, and not something extra that I could do if I happened to find the time. The time is always there if we want it, and we should always make time to do the things we love. Once we do, we'll always find a world full of drawing inspiration. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. My Sketching Stuff When I was once met with a prompt of something you love, I would like to say that my mind leapt to some cherished family heirloom, but that simply wasn't the case. Nope, my little brain, as it's often prone to do, jumped immediately to art supplies. Though I certainly adore my watercolors and palette, all of my little sketches start with what's shown in the album art. And as much as I'm not shy to admit that I have a penchant for art supplies, I'm equally bold enough to admit something else. I'm just a big kid, and my sketches mostly just start as coloring book outlines. I remember when I was actually a kid and how I always wished I could color my own drawings. At the time, I couldn't really make drawings that looked like the ones in those books, so my attempts were frustrating and not very successful. I dreamed that one day I would be able to do it, and now, over 40 years later, I'm finally getting my chance. As some of you know, I refer to my little sketchbook as my watercolory book. Though I do consider myself an illustrator of sorts, this is why I don't think of myself as a painter. I'm still just a kid coloring inside and sometimes mischievously outside the lines. My drawing kit fits entirely in a little leather Lamy case I purchased. It wasn't available anywhere in the United States at the time, and I had to purchase it from a company in the UK. I adore it and was so pleased to see it's now available on Amazon, um, also from a company in England. Not that I need a second one, of course. This is just something silly I repeat in my head. We all know I'll totally end up buying a second one at some point. I use a silver Lamy All-Star with an extra fine nib primarily as it's filled with black ink. And it is a family heirloom of sorts since it was my first Lamy fountain pen and the one that Philippe bought me for one Christmas. He also bought me the blue one in the foreground as it just because gift, but I've decided to get a larger nib for it before I really break it in. The Copper Lamy All-Star in the back was a limited edition that's no longer available and is filled with sepia ink. It's also a great way to remember what color is inside. 
This year's limited edition Lamy All-Star is bronze, and though it appears rather similar in color, it's still on my birthday wish list. And by way of a little update, I did get one. Many times, I still make a quick contour sketch with my album Drachmatic Mechanical Pencil, and for the some reason, the oddly old-fashioned name of Draftmatic makes me love it even more. This pencil is just thin enough to slide into the case with the three pins, and then I reshape my kneaded eraser and lay it on top and close everything up. This tiny compact case needs only a sketchbook to pair it with, and I have all I need to make my little coloring book pages on the go. I made the initial sketch at work, and thankfully I had a second mechanical pencil in my bag as it's really hard to sketch a pencil when you're actually using it. Once I have my image ready to color, I'll sit like a little kid on the edge of the kitchen counter after work and start coloring while Philippe makes dinner and we chat about our day. A paper towel, water in a tiny yogurt cup, and my messy watercolor palette complete my entire sketching and painting studio and my inner child is thrilled each and every day when he gets the chance to color his very own art. If there's anyone out there who has been thinking about sketching but hasn't tried it yet, there's no better time to start than now. You don't even need this many supplies to start drawing. Just a pencil, some paper, and positive thinking is all it really takes. Though the supplies are fun and I adore them, I guess the thing I love most is what those supplies make possible. A moment each day to draw and play with color as I continue on my happy little journey of sketching stuff. Bits of color and light. For a prompt of vegetables once, I opted for a bit of broccoli. This came to mind simply because it appeared in my Thai dish at lunch, and also because I rather enjoy sketching it. That sounds an odd thing to admit, but the way I sketch it is to scribble with glee and then dot in color in homage to one of my favorite artists, George Seurat, who applied distinct dots of color and patterns to form an image. My own approach is hundreds of times faster and in watercolor, not oil, but it evokes the same idea. Dots of color combine on the tops, tricking the eye into seeing what it expects to be the color of broccoli. And then I use a more traditional watercolor approach for the stems. It's very therapeutic to simply play with dots of color, letting them dance together. Seurat once said, originality depends only on the character of the drawing and the vision peculiar to each artist. I love those words, not only for the ode to individualism they champion, but the very use of the word peculiar. It's a word that can also be used to mean strange, odd, or unusual. A set of inscrutable quirks that I think we should always champion in ourselves as well as other artists. Though I adore the techniques of Seurat, my own approach is more akin to another Frenchman named Marcel Duchamp, who took absolutely ordinary things and presented them as art, up to and including a urinal. I've yet to sketch one of those, but if a story presents itself to me, I'm certainly not above doing so. 
What I love about creating is that we each get to make the call as to what we make next. Even if you follow my prompts, your own peculiar way of thinking about them will reveal something very different. And should we end up painting the same thing, it will still be perfectly peculiar to our own individual approaches and style. That, to me, has been the most amazing and wonderful thing about this art journey. No two paintings are alike, just as no two artists are exactly alike, no matter how many similarities they might share. I actually learned this first in art school when assigned to recreate the works of Renaissance masters. It's an interesting assignment, but one that lacks the actual presence of the masters themselves. Instead of a school in Florence under the tutelage of Leonardo da Vinci, I was in the Midwest with a teacher, though rather wonderful in his own right, who knew very little of the specific techniques and took his coffee with whiskey. But I truly adored those drawing classes. It was an escape into a world that happened years before me, filled with art from people I still admire to this day. People I've never met, of course, as they are all long gone by now, but people who left their mark on the art world and continue to influence us today. And as for me, I'm still just the eager student playing with styles and enjoying the process. I don't think I'll make a mark on the fine art world with a little sketch of broccoli, but that's not my goal. I want to reach everyone else. The people listening to this who just want to create something. Those who have a passion in their hearts that propels them to grab for that pencil, pen, or brush each day, often with no clue as to where it might lead them next. It's a beautiful thing indeed to chase a passion before determining its purpose. I've always been confident that doing so will eventually lead me in the right direction, and I'll always adore the surprise of where each impulse leads me next. Like a child constantly changing his mind about what he really wants to be when he grows up, there's time to figure all of that out. Right now, I'm just happy, sitting down to enjoy a world filled with bits of color and light. My favorite shell. Though I'm not sure I ever thought much about my favorite shell, it might truly be a conch shell. But since I've painted a lot of them lately, I decided on a nautilus shell. These shells are beautiful on the exterior, but it's the cross section that I find fascinating. It's often used as an example of the golden ratio in Fibonacci spiral, yet it's not quite a perfect match. Either way, the shape it creates is still a pleasingly balanced one that's quite similar and something only nature could create. And drawn freehand, this one is in a perfect spiral, but it gets the general idea across. Leonardo da Vinci, who was often inspired by nature, used the golden ratio in one of his most famous paintings, the Mona Lisa. This compositional structure can be found in countless drawings, paintings, and architecture throughout history, which I think makes it rather cool. So, even if I can't quite pick a favorite, when it comes to shells, the Nautilus is definitely at the top of the list. This is the second time I've sketched a Nautilus shell. The first time was a lesser seen version of the actual living creature. A rather alien looking thing indeed, but also equally intriguing in its own way. 
I realized that conch shells would probably qualify as my favorite because I've sketched three of them. Unfortunately, I don't actually own a conch shell and considered buying one because you can literally find anything on Amazon, but haven't done so yet. I think the Nautilus shell came to mind because I saw one in the window of an awesome shop next to where I work. It's called Oracle and it's a natural science curiosity shop. I've never purchased anything there yet, but it's such a unique and wonderful little place. It reminds me of when I was a kid and loving going to a natural history museum. My mother would always tell me that no matter where we visited, I would turn it into a field trip. I was always curious to learn about whatever I saw. These days, not much has changed. It's a wonder I was able to make this post and I got totally distracted looking up information on the golden ratio. That little kid who was never quite satisfied and always wanting to know more and more is alive and well within me still. It's nice to know that curiosity hasn't gone away. I think we should always remain curious and seeking to learn new things. The world is a vast and often confusing place, but filled with so many wonderful things. I know I'll never be able to learn about everything that's out there, but I get so excited to learn a little something new each and every day. For me, life will always be a field trip, just like when I was a kid. New things will always distract me and excite me, and that's a wonderful feeling. And that shiny thing that catches my eye in that very moment becomes the most important thing of all. So, for today at least, this is most definitely my favorite shell. Collecting Leaves one of the best bits of fall is the remarkable number of colors that pop up in nature. Trees that had once been simply various shades of green suddenly show their true colors with pops of yellow and fiery orange. The transformation where I live is sometimes sudden and always amazing every time it happens. Soon these leaves fall to the ground, creating a blanket of magical color. As a little kid, it was quite literally like finding pure gold. I would go on a hunt to find the most beautiful specimens, collecting as many as I could. In full disclosure, this came to mind when I had my own leaves prompt and then saw another prompt for Tranquil and pushed the two together. In fact, this lovely mashup works much of the time, so if you ever see a doodle wash prompt that has you sort of stumped, just look for another prompt and push the two together to see what you might come up with. I ended up drawing a little boy pushing fall leaves in a wagon. This one was a little more inky because I scribbled the entire thing in a loose ink contour line drawing first. And I'm rather pleased that even with my lack of any real practice in drawing humans, one actually managed to appear without looking more like an alpaca. Though now that I consider it, an alpaca searching for leaves would have been rather extraordinary. I painted this one in just the three colors of my Da Vinci Vintage Trio. I'm rather addicted to this trio and it's always perfectly suited for fall, but I'll certainly be using the other colors in my palette as well again very soon. My heart just really goes out to these colors as they were the first to inspire me to introduce glimpses of little Charlie into these memories. I rarely draw faces as those might distract you from your own memories, but I hope a small glimpse of a child still serves to evoke the idea without creating too much context. 
I can still smell those leaves and remember the crunch under my feet as they started to wither on the ground. The air was chilly, but the sun impossibly bright, shining through each little leaf to create an amazing glow. Having lived much of my adult life in a city home, I've never had to deal with actually raking leaves, so I still admire them like I did when I was a kid, though I certainly miss the chance to jump in a pile of freshly raked leaves and would do so in a heartbeat if the opportunity ever presented itself. Philippe asked me what I wanted for dinner on the night I sketched this one, and I requested mac and cheese. I, of course, got the highly elevated version with more pasta and bits of gourmet cheese, but it was still a wonderful trip home. I honestly don't think I could possibly show up here each and every day if I didn't bring my inner child along with me. My adult brain tells me I'm crazy and need to get other things done instead. Those pressing adult things, while certainly important, get far more attention than they ultimately deserve. So that little child inside helps remind me that it's nothing more than homework. He tells me slyly, just do that stuff as quickly as you can and then you can get to go out and play. I take note of this advice and burn through those adult tasks with glee. I know that after all of that boring stuff is completed, there will be a little precious window of time when I get to play a bit. A perfect moment when I pause, grab for my little sketchbook, and join that child inside for another lovely journey. We're an inseparable pair now, always seeing life in its most beautiful form and taking just a bit of time out of each and every day to enjoy the sheer pleasure of collecting leaves. Salad to go. When I was a kid, getting a little fruit cup was one of my favorite things in the world. I particularly liked the strange little cherries inside that were sort of reddish pink in color and looked more like little candies than fruit. The larger version of this was called fruit salad and was made for gatherings by cutting up a bunch of fruit and tossing it all together into a bowl. If you purchase the mixture in a can, it was often called fruit cocktail, which is actually the name I remember most as a kid. The word cocktail in this instance isn't the alcoholic kind, but the version that applies to any little bits of food simply thrown together and served as a chilled appetizer. The canned version back then was always served in a heavy syrup, and the whole concoction was a sweet, mushy mess that you barely had to chew. The pears were my favorite, until you got the random one that wasn't quite ripe and actually required chewing, that sucked. But overall, it was quite delightful. These days, a fruit cup for adults is actually just a bunch of fruit in a cup, often packaged in a way that you can grab it on the run. We're always on the run these days, but it's real fruit that you can still recognize cut into slices or entirely whole in the case of berries. I understand this is a far superior way to eat fruit, but I miss my little cocktail cup sometimes. The little squares of fruit were fun, although it was sometimes impossible to distinguish the difference in flavor between a grape and a peach. But finding the little cherries was like finding buried treasure, made special because there were so few of them. These days I've graduated to whole fruit without the syrup, but I miss the days of that little fruit cup. That should be a song. Are the sweet days of little fruit cups. Something with a little folk country music in the background. 
another thing that you'd find in my house as I was growing up. I've no idea where I'm going with all of this other than to say that sometimes those little childhood treats are fun to remember. And as I've grown into my version of adulthood, even when I now know there's a better way, it doesn't stop me from wanting to just have what I had back then. Thinking about all of the reckless abandon I had when approaching my creative projects reminds me that the little kid I used to be was wise in his own very special way. And so each day as I look both backward and forward, I have to stop and give him some credit for making me the artist I am today. Some days, I'm not sure if I'm drawing, sketching, painting, or illustrating, as these terms often seem hard to precisely define. It's a bit more like I'm simply grabbing for my supplies, painting or drawing, and yet always splashing around with a smile, making my own little fruit salad to go. Tangled Up in Thought Once I had a prompt of ocean creatures and I opted for an octopus. Not sure exactly why this was the very first thing that came to mind, but I suspect it's because I was watching Stranger Things on Netflix and just had tentacles on the brain. But I do really love these creatures and just call them creatures because I really wanted to say octopi, which isn't really a correct plural, listed as questionable in the dictionary, with the more accepted version being octopuses. But like so many things in life, the questionable version is often just a bit more interesting. This line of thinking often makes me seem like a bit of a rebel, but in truth, it's not the case at all. I never set out to do things in a different way. I just never worry about the way I do them in the first place. I like to play when it comes to my art, and indeed, I view it as a playground. A time when I can put aside all of the rules and expectations of the day and just enjoy a moment of silence with my pen and my watercolor. This is the very feeling I hope to evoke in anyone listening to this, not just when it comes to watercolor, but life in general. I hope each of you will let your heart guide you and the artist that's simply, wonderfully, and uniquely you. I have to admit that my greatest joy of being a central hub for all things watercolor and sketching has been that I get to meet artists from all over the world. It's been the most rewarding bit of my own art journey. And then, in turn, you get to meet them as well through the featured guest posts that appear on doodlewash.com. What I adore most is that these stories all begin in a very similar fashion, very often going back to when we were kids or when we were, at the very least, younger and focused on a completely different thing. Then there's that eureka light bulb moment when the artist discovers a new passion. While certainly on Doodle Wash, that passion most likely includes watercolor and drawing, it's more than that. What I love seeing in the stories that appear there is the incredible sense of hope and discovery. That brilliant mingling of everything we thought we wanted combined with all of the things we ultimately needed. It's the mix of hope and discovery that brings me back to my sketchbook each and every day. It's not about trying to get better at something, it's about trying to understand that something that enthralled me just a bit better. It's a journey, not a destination, and one that holds so many awesome adventures along the way. At least that's the way I feel about it in my childlike mindset. I guess it could all be made more difficult or challenging in some way, but I opt for focusing on the play instead. 
It's equally why I don't have a step-by-step technique to share. What I do is never quite the same, but looks similar simply because it's me doing it after all. My own approach is really no different than that of a small child. There's no formulas, processes, or other tedious things to consider. There's just a few simple tools and a world of color and lines to scribble doodle color. Perhaps it's my penchant for always sharing the stage with amazing guest artists, but my secret hope is that you focus on the fun and continue to create things in your own incredible style. As I often say, style isn't something that you find, it's something that's already found you. If you find it frustrating to paint exactly like someone else, that's just your inner child telling you to grab all you can of that brilliant knowledge and use it as you go back to doing what comes naturally. After all, that's what we all did as kids. And I still to this day continue to grab as much insight as I possibly can from the awesome teachers who inspire me most. Then I blissfully drift back into my own creative world, happily exploring whatever comes my way as I start a brand new day tangled up in thought. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. 